Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions. Roar. I know I, I, a couple episodes I said we didn't need to do that because you know what you're here for, but I'm just, I, it's just part of the DNA now at this point. So we are. Um, so yeah. We'll it's 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 hard to not do it honestly um i'm your host tonight nick pollock i'm joined by mr craig fritz and craig right off the bat here um for those of you watching instead of listening um as a thanksgiving purist i have beef with your setup right now i just want to clarify that uh this is my wife's office where i'm moonlighting as a podcaster and this is her personal christmas tree that and all the decorations that she has done. I don't have anything to do with it other than getting the boxes out of storage. Um, just so we're clear on where all of this falls. You know, that that's fine. That's fine. But you do have a voice that you could be using to say, <laughs> hey, what about Thanksgiving? That's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I, I will say, Nick, as a Thanksgiving purist, I do buy the turkey for our large family gathering that happens um, next week. So on Monday okay. I will go to okay. the Turkey farm and buy the Turkey. And that's my contribution to the overall holiday. What kind of, uh, what kind of numbers are we talking about for this family? I mean, cause you have 800 kids already. So yeah, like a thousand kids, um, overall it's my wife's family. And I think we have 17 people. Oh, wow. And I get, um, about a 30 to 32 pound Turkey because we really like leftovers. Mm, so of course that's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That was always when when Holly and I lived in Virginia, we we would go usually go up to um, my aunt and uncle's in Manhattan for Thanksgiving, and then the next day we would go over to Holly's parents' house in Lancaster for Thanksgiving, and we would get leftovers from both to oh, bring back, yeah, and then eating, we would make our own things. Yeah, then we would make our own Thanksgiving back home in Virginia like a week later. So then we'd have three sets of leftovers. It was a great system. It was a great system. Um, can you also? I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you. You have to move your camera right now. But I, the the viewers need to see what's going on just to your your left shoulder here. Please, please describe what you just showed for for those who are those, listening. So those are um, exterior six foot nutcrackers that my wife got at Walmart. Two different WalMarts that she had to drive to pretty far, and she repainted them completely to the color scheme that she wanted. Originally, she was going to build them. Yeah, she was going to build them, um, but just found these at Walmart um, for much cheaper and just decided to repaint them, and they'll be going in the front of our house. Is there a part of you that is worried they will come to life? Um, it's like my top concern. <laughs> it's like them coming to life and someone stealing them. Those are the two things that I'm concerned about. <laughs> You'll wake up one morning and those will come to of life and then all the all the 20 foot skeletons will all come to life and they'll just be forming an army to take over the neighborhood. It's, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, so believe it or not, Craig and I are here tonight to talk about a Penn State, Penn State Rutgers football game. I, you may be confused by the intro here, um, <laughs> but you know, there's not really a whole lot to say about this game and about the Rutgers football program in general. Because they kind of just are what they are. Like they have, they have a very good defense, especially considering how much um, their defense is on the field. They have a very a good defense. Yeah, it's I, you know, I think that's one of the things that we expected under Greg Schiano. I think that was the thing that we all expected would come back first for Rutgers was a strong defense. Not that even since Shiano left, like their defenses have remained generally pretty solid. Um, 
but this is definitely definitely a step up. They've they've done a pretty good job this year. Um, they just don't have the offense to back it up. They've only allowed an average of three hundred twenty four point eight yards per game. Um, but if we look at the you know the most direct and recent games on Rutgers' schedule to kind of use as a comparison for Penn State, um, they beat Indiana twenty four seventeen and lost to Minnesota thirty one nothing, which kind of tells the story. Like Indiana, probably the worst team that Penn state has played since the conference schedule We're talking about power five opponents, at least probably the worst team that Penn state has played and Rutgers did beat them, but 24, 17, yeah, not great. I mean, I do have better a, than a loss. I, like, but. I, I understand like their defense it is it's stats well, and it's pretty well ranked like an SP plus it's 38th in the country, but I do wonder because their offense is so horrific. If teams are just like, doing the bare minimum to win right. the game, knowing if they get basically to 24 points, they're going to win. Like look at the Michigan game. I think it was Rutgers had a lead at one point or it was like tied at halftime, 17, seven, then Michigan just yeah, like, yeah, we need some points to win this game and right. ended up with like five straight touchdown drives. Yeah. I, that's, again, that's like, fair. I don't know if it's, if they're like unleashing the beast per se against Rutgers because they don't need points to win. So I don't know if that's like kind of, it may be a little bit, but they are talented. Let's, let's be clear on that. Um, Yeah. I I think what you're saying is there's definitely, I'm sure a a twinge of that going on just because how could there not be like, especially, you know, as you get into the big 10 schedule, like coaches and teams, like if you have the opportunity to not go full throttle, it does behoove you to, not do that knowing you have other more important and more difficult games so that's definitely definitely a fair point but like you said there's still still a talented unit like there's going to be a couple more than at least a couple dudes are going to stick on in the nfl somewhere on that defense probably um on the offensive side of the ball their quarterback room has been a mess all year they've had i think four different dudes attempt at least 50 passes on the season um Right now, and starting last week, was uh, Gavin Wimsat. Um, he went 20 of 34 against Michigan State, 236 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, formerly a four-star four-star recruit, one of Rutgers' you know, better gets in the recruiting world, and he actually ended up, uh, after he committed, he ended up reclassifying and getting to school even earlier than expected to get a little more experience. And you know, he's not there yet, but you know, maybe in a couple of years, like Wimsack could definitely be something for that program. That'll be interesting to see, but you know, elsewhere on that offense, you have Johnny Langan doing his bad Taysom Hill impression. Um, Aaron Cruikshank, Cruikshank, uh, he's, he's a solid player. I think he, I think he's someone that is going to do more in the NFL than he did in college, just, you know, based on his situation, uh, right now in the year, 40 catches, 362 yards, but he's explosive. Um, I don't know that that's going to be enough to do much against against Penn State secondary, but um, you know when we look at this game specifically, you know Penn State favored by 19 points, even on the road in Piscataway. The weather looks like it should be pretty good. It's going to be right around 50 degrees and sunny. Um, and I thought this was really cool. This is a sellout for Rutgers, which oh, yeah. you know obviously you know, a lot of Penn State alums in New Jersey too, right. so that plays a part. But still, <clears throat> that's pretty cool. It's just not something that happens a whole lot there. It's probably not a tough ticket for those Penn State alum that don't want to drive all the way to Happy Valley and have right. to spend a night in a hotel and all that. So 
Yeah. So and great. I know my, my parents are not Penn State alums, but they do root for Penn State now. They're both going to the game. They both still live in New Jersey. So hopefully it'll be a nice day there. Um, the only other thing that's really to note for Penn State in this game, Joey Porter Jr., I would assume, is not going to play. We found out officially right. that he had uh, appendicitis. Um, I would probably, I, I maybe he's back for the bowl game, but I, I would certainly don't expect to see him over these next two weeks here. Um, Agreed. And then Olu Fashanu, we don't know exactly what Olu's injury is, but I would guess he's probably also out for these last two weeks. Again, same situation, maybe back for the bowl game. We'll see. And then the last big one, Curtis Jacobs, was seen practicing this week, so that would imply that he could potentially be back for this one. But if not this one, then probably Michigan State. Michigan State, um, yeah. Especially for him, like he's somebody who could end up going to the NFL, so that would be his last chance to play in Beaver Stadium. So definitely something to consider there for him too. Craig, uh, we will do predictions, um, but there, we don't need to break down this game you know, the way that we right. do other games. Sure. I'm more interested. What do you care about in this game? You know, it's a fine line. Um, I'm I'm still right. You know, this is a great opportunity to build for next year. I would love to see the freshman class or the, just the younger guys that have um, really started to come uh, and turn it on a little bit, get more run. And it's a hard spot, too, because they are already getting a lot of run. Right. Um, I believe Abdul Carter was maybe the highest snap count on – against Maryland on the entire defense don't I'm not 100% sure on that but he was right up there right um but I did you know things that he loves seeing like Zane Durant with his first sack in Beaver Stadium like mm-hmm. let's get him a lot of playing time Zariah Fisher is back unexpectedly from injury against Maryland opportunity for him to get reps and get you know you know he he's missed so much time get um his his work in and then I mean the obvious one is like people want to see Drew uh, Aller play you know, hopefully an entire half of football. And I get what Jimmy is saying with, you know, we already have injuries on the O-line. We are then moving to kind of like our third string O-line. If we take the starters out, how like we want to protect, we don't want to get him hurt unnecessarily. Um, But he needs to get time with the ones in a real football situation. And so I'm hoping that I like, let me be clear. I don't have any problem with how his PT has been handled thus far. Um, I'm just hoping that they get to this point where they realize their defense is really good. They shut out an offense last week that is light years better than Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like once to get, I mean, roll the dice, whatever. We get three three scores up. Let's give the kid some time. You know, it doesn't. He doesn't have to play the rest of the game. He could get two series in the first quarter, second quarter. Yeah. That kind of thing. So, yeah, I think, um, yeah, like you said, Franklin mentioned that he didn't, he didn't think it was as valuable for Aller to be in there with the patchwork offensive line. I think the fact, you know, it was, especially for the portion of the game last week where Aller was in, that was when it was raining the hardest too. I think the fact that the weather will be better this week will make it a bit more of a situation conducive to getting him time. But I, I, I totally agree with the last thing you said. Like, I, I would be really interested this week to see, like, Clifford get the first two drives and then let Aller get a drive and then go back to Cl- Like, this is not, it's, Rutgers is, yeah, they gave Michigan that weird little scare for a half. Like, they, they're not a 
tire fire of a football team. They're just not a good football team. And like you said, Penn State's defense is just playing an otherworldly level right now. The last two weeks held both opponents, uh, Indiana and Maryland, to under 200 total yards. Like they are at, they are on a different plane of existence right now. And it, I think I agree. Like if they can, if they can go out and score on the first two drives, I would want to see Aller in that third drive just to just to mix it in, see what happens. Um, other things I was thinking about for what I'd like to see in this game. I'd like to see, you know, Nick Singleton continue his climb to a thousand yards. Um, he's at Ooh. like, uh, I think just barely over eight right now, I think is where he is. Um, I'd like to see Katron Allen get another touchdown to make it. So both he and Singleton have surpassed the uh, previous freshman touchdown record. Noah Kane set that a couple of years ago with eight um, Singleton, I believe is at 10 now. And Allen is still sitting at eight. Correct. On both those numbers, Singleton one twenty three for eight oh one, Allen one twenty four for six thirty one, eight touchdowns for Allen, ten touchdowns for Singleton. Yeah, God, that's cool. Um, so cool. <laughs> the other thing I'm, um, I wouldn't say it's something I care about. I'm more just interested to see how they handle it. I think it's become pretty clear through you know practice reports and just seeing tweets from the beat writers and stuff that. And here in Franklin himself, like they would very much like to preserve Drew Shelton's red shirt. If they are going to do that, he cannot play in another game this year. And right. with Oli Fashanu already on the shelf, Landon Tengwall out for the year, Caden Wallace has been been banged up. It it is hard to see how they are able to do that. I mean, the obvious answer I think is you toss Bryce Effner out there at left tackle or maybe even give Caden Wallace a shot at it you know just to see what happens like I don't I don't know what they've been doing in practice as far as who's been repping where but um do you think they're going to be able to do that do you think they're going to be able to preserve that shirt for Shelton I don't think they will I mean they could but it would just be really tough sledding for really no reason and here's why and we kind of talked about this preseason that if you have a true freshman in Drew Shelton that is already playing a ton the chances of him getting a fifth year at some point at Penn state are almost zero. Yeah. So, um, you know, barring injury, which certainly could happen. What are, what exactly are we holding him back for other than the flexibility and roster management sometime down the road? I am of the opinion, Craig, that I think the reason that they are pushing so hard to redshirt him, I think it actually tells us a little something about, what they think about um, Olu Fashanu coming back next year. Interesting. I think that the, it, it behooves them to keep his red shirt. If Fashanu is planning on returning because Fashanu is your starter to left tackle. If he's here now, Shelton could very easily end up being the starter at right tackle next year, if that's how they choose to go. Um, but also Caden Wallace can also still return. I know Wallace has been very up and down this year, but at that point, then, you know, do you like if you burn that red shirt now and i guess theoretically he could end up taking one um next year like barring injury or something but um <clears throat> if you burn the red shirt now and olu fashani comes back next year now all of a sudden you're looking at maybe maybe one year of drew shelton as your starting left tackle maybe two and if they clearly think a lot of him so i i that's kind of where i'm at right now like i think that they 
I think this could be a sign that they think Fashano is coming back and they're trying to finagle a way into getting Shelton for two years of starting. Now, of course, even if he does take the red shirt and if Fashano comes back and Shelton starts that one year, he could still leave, right? Like it's still three right. years. He could still go. But that that's kind of where I'm at. That's a very, you know, tinfoil hat theory for sure. But that's that's just my weird random guess at it personally. Um, yeah, but it's a hard spot for me to say, like, if if he is coming back and you have the potential to redshirt him next year, I mean, obviously he, he will be in that competition with right tackle, we assume. Yeah. But the number of snaps that he's played and how well he's performed. Sure. There's been a couple freshman moments, but it's like remarkable. The guy was not an early enrollee. He came this summer yep. and is they're still preferring to run left generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, not now all the time. Singleton's uh, two fourth and one touchdowns were, I believe over the right side, but regardless, um, I don't know. I, the the calculus is crazy. I love the tinfoil hat idea. Um, <laughs> I would love to see Fashanu and Shelton as bookends slide Wallace inside. And then your line is four guys. Uh, I, I'm not sure who would be center at that point if um, Scruggs doesn't come back, but your line is four guys with a ton of experience at that point. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of uh, at this point, I'm assuming it's going to be Norzad next year. That that's my guess. Um, at center, you mean? Yeah, at center. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, you know, over overall, you know, I we've talked about it a lot. I think we're all very clear that we agree that um, if you're good enough to play as a freshman, you should be playing as a freshman because you're not going to be around for that long anyway. The only only place where I am willing to say you can be really good and maybe worthy of playing. Sorry, I'm. If you're watching a video, my light just flickered on me. Um, <laughs> The only place I like, I am more willing to say, yeah, you might be capable of playing and contributing right now, but let's try to figure out that red shirt is the offensive line. Like that is the one room where I want as much talent stacked into that room as you can possibly get in there just because injuries happen so often. Um, You know, guys very easily, like they can be great one year and fall off the face of the earth the next year. Like we've seen it happen time after time so that is the one place where i'd like to stack as much um as i can but craig we we're going to talk about some other things after the ad read here so you know let's just dive right into predictions here um okay. what are you thinking like i said uh penn state favored by 19 on the road i don't have sp plus handy don't know what that is i'm assuming it's probably somewhere in the same neighborhood um what are you thinking for this game uh, i it's a weird spot. I feel like Penn State doesn't really come out guns blazing in Piscataway. Um, and so games tend to have the appearance that they're a little bit closer than they might be. Like if you guys if you remember all the way back to, I want to say it was 2018 um, on the road with McSorley and they just didn't have the, ju- you know, Trace might've been nicked at that second, that end of the season there, but just didn't really have the juice came away with a victory, but it was an impressive was and that the, uh, the same thing? Two two touchdown day for Pat Fryermuth? Certainly possible. I was I was I was at oh whatever game though I was at the game in Piscataway when Fryermuth ca- caught two touchdowns. I don't know. Um, it might have been raining. I think it was raining early and then maybe stopped. It was a gross day. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's going to be something like 35, 12, 
in that area, 35, 16, something that is basically, there will be plenty for fans to complain about and it'll just be kind of like a ho-hum, another victory, nine and two, let's move on. Of course, I assume Rutgers would be getting to that uh, 12-point mark with a touchdown, a field goal, and a safety, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was kind of thinking six safeties. No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most incredible football game. If you win 35-12, but you give up six safeties, that would be remarkable. Oh, my God. That's officially what I want to happen this weekend. <laughs> um I I'm thinking something similar. I'm thinking like 38-7, 38-10. Like I don't expect Rutgers' offense to do all that much. Um I think Penn State'll, you know, I think they'll keep it on the ground for the most part while Clifford's in the game. I think when Aller gets out there, they'll let him throw a little bit just, you know, for the reps. Um I could very easily see Aller having enough time in this one to go over a hundred yards with a couple touchdowns. Ooh. If all, if all things breaks, right. That'd be, that'd be kind of fun. I like um, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something, something around that. I don't, I don't think it's going to be all that competitive. Um, and uh, again, like I, it's, it's not because like Rutgers is capable of at least scaring you a little bit, but the Penn State defense is just playing so well right now that I don't, I just don't think it'll matter all that much. Um, Craig, are you planning to buy any home field apparel for your loved ones this holiday season? It is interesting that you say that, Nick, because I'm probably going to buy some for myself. Oh, okay, okay. That's mm-hmm. a that I, I didn't see. I didn't see that coming. Tell tell me about yeah. that. But buy it for yourself, like as your own holiday gift. No, just take advantage of sales. And oh, okay, and okay. Stuff. It's funny no, that you gonna... talk about. It's funny that you talk about sales because our friends over at Homefield. This is going to be the rare time that we don't tell you to use our Roar Lines Roar code because instead, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, something in my throat today. Um, instead, they have special Black Friday and holiday deals coming up uh, for Cyber Monday. So today is what Thursday, November seventeenth, as we are recording that is this. Correct. Yes. Tomorrow, when you are hearing this on Friday, November 18th, it is the beginning of Homefield's Black Friday sale. So if you use the code Black Friday, all caps, all one word, um, you get 20% off your order. Ooh. So normally our Roar Lines Roar is 15%. This is for 20%. Um, that sale will run from tomorrow, November 18th through November 27th, two days before my birthday. Um, and this is the, according to them, this is the biggest discount they offer all year to everyone, basically. Um, and I don't believe that this is actually, I believe this is just for anything. Like this is not, you know, normally our Royal Eyes right. Road is first time specific. only. Yeah, sure. yeah, this is this is for anyone. So definitely a great thing to take advantage of here. Um, and once we get to, you know, Cyber Monday portion of this, we'll talk about that code as well. But for now, use that code Black Friday, all caps, all in word. You get 20% off your first order for, you know, we've talked about home field apparel before. You know, we love their stuff. Soft, comfortable, unique, um, great people to work with, funny on social media, all that jazz. We love home field. We love working with them. Um, yeah, now you've inspired me now. I, I think I'm going to also, I, you know, my wife has been bugging me for, um, gift ideas for my birthday, which is coming up at the end of the month, but I'm probably just going to go on and buy this for myself anyway. And that'll <laughs> really, I'm sure it'll make her really happy, but she doesn't listen to our podcast. So she won't hear this because, and I quote, I tried listening to it once and I heard your voice and I started laughing. So I, I guess I'm safe. This is a safe space for me. It's cruel. It's, it's very cruel. I know. Um, 
Matt was telling us a story on Slack the other day. How <laughs> I'll, we'll wait for Matt to come. We'll let Matt tell that story himself. It's a good one. Um, but once again, use that code Black Friday, all caps, all one words on Home Field Apparel to get 20% off of your order. It doesn't have to be your first time. Take advantage. Get some of that awesome, awesome Home Field stuff into your wardrobe today. Now, Craig. Let's have some fun with the end of this podcast. We're going to kind of bounce all over the map here. We're going to start with some very brief Penn State Rutgers trivia, because I was a little bit surprised by some of these things that I found looking at the, you know, the all time head to head page. So first things first, Craig, do you know what the largest margin of victory in this matchup is of all time? I want to say it's the McQuarrie game, something like 56 to seven or something like that i'm not 100 percent sure though it is actually only a 39 i mean 39 points is a lot it was 39 nothing um but that oh. is the largest margin of victory in this game and that was the game in 2016 actually interesting yeah i i you know i, I said as i read that i was surprised but i guess when you consider like 39 points is a lot <laughs> it's, a, it's like a lot. yeah because like when I see largest margin of victory, I expect like the winning side of the score to be like up in the fifties or something. But I guess when the other side's a zero, that makes it pretty. That makes it pretty lopsided. Um, do you know the last time that Rutgers won this game? Ooh, I actually just opened Winspedia, but I'm not looking. I want to say <laughs> what? it was like you know what I'm asking you. Why would you no, do that? I th- I, th- I want uh, you know. I, I think it was like ninety. 90- <laughs> one or 97 something something like that it was 1988 oh Rutgers only off by three years Rutgers won 21 16 in state college actually yeah and then the last one I have for you here stop looking at the Winsipedia I I see your I I, I see your eyes darting minimized it yeah here we go what was the result of the first ever game between these two programs? And can you hazard a guess as to what year that took place? In? Oh my gosh. Let's say something ridiculous like 1915 Penn State in 1915. You're very close. It was 1918. Oh. 1918. Um, Rutgers won 26-3, okay. to also in State College. So the only two times Rutgers has ever won this game have both come in Happy Valley, which is pretty interesting. 1918 and 1988, just a casual 70 years in between victories. (laughs) So, you know, watch out when we get to, what, 70 years. That'd be 2058. Watch out in 2058. Rutgers is coming. Greg Schiano will probably still be their head coach by then somehow. Um. I, I wish I had more tri- more Rutgers trivia questions to ask. Sadly, I, I was not able to come up with anything more interesting than that. So, how many turnovers did Gary Nova have against our defense? Oh, in his career? No, I don't. Really know. <laughs> it was a lot, though. I think six in one game. Yeah, because the the pass beyond the line of scrimmage that was six in that game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, six ints. I th- <sighs> That's unbelievable. One might have. I think there might have been a fumble in there too. It was a lot. It was a lot. I, he. We we tormented that dude. I had only, I almost felt bad. Um, to turn turn the tide on the conversation a little bit here, Penn State came in in the college football playoff rankings this week at number eleven. And you know if you if you follow a wide range of actually not even if you follow them on Twitter anymore because the algorithm I swear I I literally <laughs> counted the other day 
the of the top 36 tweets that appeared on my timeline feed three of them were from people that i actually follow it was ridiculous like it that it's out of control and we're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes but the point being that i saw a lot of people fans of other programs you know a lot of you know washington for me specifically mariners and seahawks people overlap um but a lot of people saying why is Penn State 11? We could easily beat that team. You know, obviously people that haven't watched Penn State at all don't understand how good they are. But, it, you know, Penn State has doesn't have doesn't have a good win this year, I guess you could say. Like, Minnesota is probably the closest thing they have to a good win. Auburn hasn't been good, so you can't count that. Like, the, like the well, best win they have is the first three quarters of the Ohio State game. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I mean Minnesota was a good win, and they totally dominated them at home in the whiteout, but they were without Tanner Morgan. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that changes the outcome of that game, regardless Penn state probably still wins, but it changes the outcome of that game. Totally. I mean, their best two wins are Minnesota and Purdue. And I don't think there's really any question about that. They're making hay off of playing Ohio state really tight for three quarters. I mean, three and a half quarters and mm. their only two losses are two number two and number three in the college football playoff rankings. Right. So to be like, they are. So I think something that easily, something I think a lot of Penn state fans are taking for granted this year. It's something we should probably talk more about is how good of a job Penn state is doing, handling the games that they should win. Like college that that's just a difficult thing for college football teams to do. Like it's difficult for 18 to 22 year olds to consistently perform at the level they're expected to when they're playing down to competition like there's a very small handful of programs that can consistently do that year over the year and that's something that penn state has struggled with over the last however many years like they are do not always make their easy games look easy but they've done that this year to me that's one of the fueling things behind how they got to like they are truly smashing the teams that they're supposed to destroy so i think that's part of it um you know, you can also talk about how, you know, the committee clearly thinks a lot of Ohio State and Michigan. So, you know, they, they need to continue to move Penn State up to make the both those teams continue to look good. Like they're we could we could do a whole podcast just about, you know, playoff committee conspiracy theories with rankings and whatnot. But sure. Um do you think that they are well, I guess first, do you think that it's a you know, it's a fair spot for them to be? I think it's a fair spot um, because again, their two losses are to number two and number three. Sure. And they've won, like you said, they've won every other game that they've played. And when you get into it and you're talking about weaknesses of everyone from six down, there's games that were pretty ugly games that, you know, you know, like take LSU, for example, their mm-hmm. two losses are not to number two and number three. Their yeah. losses are to Florida state. And Tennessee, well, obviously Tennessee is very good, but they absolutely smoked LSU. Um, and then, you know, Clemson, I mean, it's a disgusting <laughs> offense to watch. It's just brutal. And then Alabama, everybody, you know, they don't look as strong as they have. Um, They're only only have, a couple seconds away from being a three-loss team. Right. So, I mean, and here's my thing, Nick, and we you basically – if they do a good job and get the top four after that, I just want to see cool matchups. Right. I don't really like, you can put 
basically six through 16 in a bag, shake them up, and you're probably going to get good games out of those teams if you match them up in the New Year's Six. Right. I hope that Penn State is one of them because it is a reward for the team for having a presumable 10-win season. It's a great opportunity for the fans to go someplace and enjoy a game against a marquee opponent. There's bragging rights. There's recruiting implications. There's you know everything that goes along with it. There's the national TV stage. And they're the most talked about bowl games um, of the year. So yeah. um, you know, I think they're sitting in a good spot with how the Pac-12, SEC, and ACC will shake out that they're probably going to end up in that like eight to 11 spot when the final rankings are done. And hopefully that's enough to get them selected to New Year's six. Yeah. I'd say, you know, assuming that they're able to take care of business against Rutgers and Michigan state, considering the other things that just mathematically have to happen, even if one of Ohio state or Michigan gets knocked out of the top four, I have a pretty hard time seeing Penn state not get a new year six bid just because of how it 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 has to shake out like it it, things just have to happen a certain way at certain point with matchups and whatnot um i wish i i I think matt has shared this opinion before like i wish obviously never gonna happen because the job of the committee and of espn is to drive narrative and conversation so that's you know that's the only reason why we get 25 of these rankings although like, what's the point? Like, what? Like, right. who cares who the 23rd ranked team is by the college football playoff committee? The the playoff that includes four teams like NC State is has currently number 24. NC State's not making the play. Like, what's the point of that? But it, I would be it'd be way more fascinating if, you know, each week they only let's say they only release the top six each week. Right. Like, say you're four in and then the first two out. And then sure. in the last week, then you just get the boom, here's everyone else. Here's how we lay them out. Like that'd be way more interesting to me. Uh, obviously never going to happen because, you know, narrative, money, all that stuff. But <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, like you talked about LSU, two really, I mean, not really bad, both of them, but bad losses, like not not good losses for either team. And I think it's something that we talk about every single year with the playoff what matters more good wins or bad losses and you know based on the year based on the team that distinction of course changes like it 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 doesn't really matter it's just who does the committee want in that top four and then they'll shape the narrative to whatever they need it to be do you i've seen a lot of people out there who have said you know why is lsu ahead of penn state are you one of those people that thinks that there is a legitimate case to be made for Penn State to be ahead of LSU? And then, you know, for sake of for sake of argument, the other two lost teams ahead of them, Alabama at number eight and Utah at number 10. So specifically, I think that LSU has two much better wins than anything that Penn State has done yep. against Alabama and against Ole Miss. Um, you could throw Florida in there, though Florida's had an extremely up and down Jekyll and Hyde type season. Um, and obviously Penn State also destroyed Auburn, which LSU struggled at Auburn. And, you know, we were all pulling for our, our, um, the very, the very underrated, the very underrated Auburn Wildcats. Yeah, they're really good. Don't, don't let, don't let anything fool you. They're a fantastic team. Um, so those two wins, I think regardless of the losses, even though Penn State started two and three, put LSU up there. You know, um, 
Alabama's is is name recognition. They're never sure. they they really want to continue to like keep them up there, right? Because they're obviously likely going to win out. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm not sure of the tiebreakers. Are they already eliminated from the SEC West um, title, or is that still in in uh, in flux? I I'm not sure. I would. So I LS, LSU has Texas A&M. Oh no. Okay, George. They're playing Georgia. That's locked. So LSU is going to the hmm. championship game. And again, yeah. this okay. is why they are six. Right, because presumably they're going to go. They have UAB and Texas A&M. Presumably they're going to go to Georgia, Atlanta, and play Georgia in the SEC championship game. And then you have this. Oh, they were sixth, but they beat number one. Right. If they, you know, they're not going to. Okay. Or, or you have Georgia number one, and if for some reason they lose, you can say, oh, well, they only lost to number six. So it kind of works both ways. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, you know, again, this will be part of the Michigan-Ohio State thing. Like, if that's a, a double overtime game, yeah, the committee is kind of screwed having them 2-3 and then saying one of them cannot be in the top four teams in the country. Yeah. Now, uh, Utah, I honestly, I know absolutely nothing about. They have a really tough game against Oregon. They're, they're Utah. It's the same team. <laughs> they lost two f- at Florida, right? That was a crazy game. They yeah. lost at LSU. Um, that's kind of was like LSU's coming out party mm-hmm. in early October. I don't know. You know, I mean, they, when you, they... when you literally, when you look at the list, it's, it's really hard to make an argument that anybody who is currently behind LSU should be ahead of them. Right. Cause like right. USC, yeah, they're nine in one, but it's not like they have an impressive resume necessarily. Well, and Utah beat USC. Yeah, Utah so beat USC and lost. Utah's behind them. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. Um, like we already talked about Alabama. Clemson, yeah, again, they're not in one, but they lost to a, a horrific Notre Dame offense. Like they, they clearly <laughs> don't deserve to be. Like I would argue my biggest qualm on this list is probably that Clemson is still in the top 10. Really, like I, I get agree. it, but. I mean, it's gross. I am hopeful that. I'm just hopeful that North Carolina can beat them in the um, ACC championship game. Mm. And then we don't have to worry about any of this because I don't think they're going to elevate an 11 and one UNC into the top four. If the other things remain constant No, and Ohio state and Michigan play a close game. If TCU wins out, if Georgia wins out, it's probably going to be those four probably in a little bit of a different configuration so that Michigan and Ohio state don't play again right after like the next game. But, um, yeah. What are you, I, that'd be kind of interesting actually if their next, well, it wouldn't be their next game because one of them would right, be playing the, the championship, championship game, but right. Um, Ugh, so stupid. It's going to end up being like Michigan or Ohio state <laughs> playing Purdue in <laughs> Indianapolis or Iowa as, I mean, it's, it's it can awful. still be anybody, can it? Aside from Northwestern, yeah. I think everybody's still alive. Um, it definitely can be Minnesota, Northwest or Minnesota, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue. I think all have a shot. Oh yeah, Nebraska's yeah, Nebraska's probably yeah, yeah. they're done. Yeah, um, yeah, that yeah, <laughs> God, you could literally you could talk for years about the playoff, really. Um. 
actually, and actually, you know, speaking of Ohio State, Michigan, are you, I, I think, like we said, based on the way it's laid out right now, especially if TCU picks up a loss, I, I'd say the chances of Ohio State and Michigan both making the playoff is pretty high at the moment. Do you like that? I personally am very much on team put them both in because I want the Rose Bowl. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that for sure. Um, and here's the thing, like talk about this with family members and whomever and Slack guys and blog guys and Twitter guys all the time. It's you want the four best teams. To me, it doesn't matter where they come from. If you're, you know, like you say, if this is a close game, if, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba plays, if Ohio State can get their running backs together and do just a little bit on defense to make um, Michigan throw the ball. I think they have a really good chance of winning, but I don't, I, I think like the strength of Michigan goes up against the weakness of Ohio State and probably vice versa. It's um, the fact that it's in Columbus, I'm going to give the edge to the Buckeyes. But yeah, I mean, you go this season and they both are performing the way that they are and obliterating teams in a myriad of different ways, um, I think you put both of them in. I think what's so interesting about um, the game this year especially is that neither one, neither team has had to play a team like even relatively close to the caliber of the, of the other stylistically. Like I, I don't mm -hmm. think Penn State is terribly far away from either one, but Penn State doesn't play similarly to either one of those teams. Like I guess right. it's closer to Ohio State than Michigan, but it's still very different. Um, I think that adds an interesting, interesting wrinkle. Like, cause normally like if you're at Ohio state, you've probably played a team or two from the West that play similar to Michigan. Um, but I, I, I think that's gonna be an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. We could talk about that a little more next week too. Um, I, I currently, I'm, I'm thinking that Ohio state wins, but we'll see. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and assume you're probably also a user of uh, Twitter.com. And if you are, you are probably aware that Elon Musk is currently attempting to just go scorched earth and burn this thing all the way to the ground. <laughs> so <clears throat> it is not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, by Monday, it, who knows what Twitter is going to be like from the sounds of it, like they have doors closed all weekend as they try to figure stuff out. And I, I based on how many engineers have left and whatnot, I'd say the chances of the website not breaking over the weekend are pretty slim. Like I'd, I'd be shocked if it was fully functional all weekend. Like I know their code freeze and everything, like nothing, nothing's going to get fixed this weekend. Um, if something goes down, so, um, very well, it could be the end. So I just wanted to spend just a couple minutes here talking about some of our favorite, you know, Penn state related Twitter memories. So how about you kick us off? I'll start with one that actually relates to the team. And um, it was the 2017 game at Iowa. And so mm. Saquon Barkley set the Penn State all-time, um, all-purpose yards record. And it was a primetime game. And there were just so many NFL players that were agog at what Barkley was doing on the field <laughs> that Twitter was just, I specifically remember Zeke. I specifically remember um, Odell Beckham Jr. And just the list goes on. Like, this guy is for real. Look at what he's doing. Like, we, we've we never seen anything like this. It's just, you know, 
just giving the respect to what was probably the best individual performance I've ever seen on a football field. Um, it was remarkable. It was just awesome to see. And, and obviously the way that the game ended, um, you know, Penn State Twitter was in hysterics <laughs> over how great everything was. Um, it was just really cool to see. You don't, cause you don't, you don't see that call out very often. Um, guys from the, from the pro ranks being tuned into a college game is pretty rare because they got their own yeah. thing going on. Uh, maybe they watch their alma mater play, but to see these pros from all over the, um, the league just saying how amazing 26 was, was uh, really awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Um, I think for me, one of the first ones I think of is um, the Big Ten Championship in 2016. Yes. One, one, at the very beginning with everybody just clowning on how great Penn State's uh, intro video was compared to Wisconsin's. Oh my gosh. Um, LeVar. LeVar, yeah, LeVar versus Russ. Like, come on. I, you can't get <laughs> Russ for that. What are you doing, Wisconsin? Come on. <laughs> um, we talk so much about how, you know, I think every fan base has sort of a natural division amongst its fans, um, especially on Twitter. Like there's usually the the overly pessimistic crowd and then the overly optimistic crowd. Like it's usually there's usually a pretty clear divide. Like every every single fan base is constantly at war with itself. Like there is no truly harmonious fan base out there in the you know in the year 2022. But I I, one of the few moments where I truly feel like everybody was on the same page and not, not that every, not that there weren't some nervous folks or whatnot, but when Penn state scored the late touchdown in the first half, the, the deep ball side black mm -hmm. to make mm -hmm. the score, what 20 was 28, seven 20, or 21, was, seven. That made it 28, uh, 14, 28, 14. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But regardless, like, at, at really at all the points when it was 21 nothing when it was 21 7 when it was 28 14 at all those different points like i feel like there was just this this like calm over penn state twitter because it was like we've seen them do this all year like this is the dna of this team they make incredible halftime adjustments like we know this game isn't over we we all we were like everyone was just so sure that they're like that this game was nowhere close to being decided and it like it, it's just like i i argue with like mariners fans and penn state fans on twitter <laughs> every day and it, it hurts my it kills my soul but that was like a, a very rare moment i can think of aside from maybe like the mariners making the playoffs this year as another example um sure but like that that uh just level of just agreement and like harmony just doesn't really happen all that often in just the sports social media world everymore. So that that's, that's one of my favorites. Definitely a good one. And that's kind of like the situation is a little bit more house money, you know, right. like there's obviously a chance for us to go to the playoff, but this is extra football. It was totally unexpected. People were just riding that wave of, you know, Holy cow, we're actually here. Second half team. We're going to do this. Um, yeah. I would like to submit for consideration uh, an a Roar Lions Roar blog um, <laughs> chicanery on Twitter when the Purdue job opened up before they hired uh, Brom. Uh, we strongly petition, petitioned <laughs> for Pat Narduzzi to become Perduzzi and be in the reign, in the race for the Purdue head coach. Um, so much to the point 
that he was asked about it at his <laughs> weekly press conference the following week. <laughs> and it still goes down to this day as one of the finest coalescence of just it might be the idiot, best thing we accomplished it's idiots as, as on twitter idiots on twitter just making this thing happen and it's the it's i mean it really truly shows the power of the platform and what social media can be when it's at its greatest thing that just a bunch of guys who write for penn state write about penn state because we all you know we went there and we loved it and it's just something that's fun for us to do and pat narduzzi who is a division one head football coach gets asked about a rumor that we started <laughs> on social media at his weekly press conference. Uh, driving that was the train, so, baby. It was so great. Just it, it spread like wildfire. Like somebody had the, somebody like created the flight tracker path so you could see the oh flight gosh. from Pittsburgh to <laughs> West Lafayette. Yeah. Oh God. It, Photoshopped him on Purdue Pete's head. Like there were photoshops <laughs> of him on Purdue Pete's head of him on hitting the, the huge drum on the, the train, train going by. <laughs> Boiler up, baby. <laughs> oh, that will that will never be topped. That was so unbelievably funny. Uh, for those of you, those of you uh, watching or, or listening, I'll try to find I'll try to find some of the tweets and link them in the description. Just where, unfortunately, the the articles that we wrote aren't aren't live anymore. They've they're lost to the lost to the internet archives at this point, but. Um, we could definitely find some of the tweets. I, I'll at least try to find the flight tracker. That was my favorite part. <laughs> um, yeah, God, so funny. Um, all right. So the other one, the other one that I really enjoyed um, was also 2016, actually. Uh, so 2016, uh, for those of you who don't know, 2016 was actually the year that we launched Roar Lines. Roar also um, great timing on our part, right? Yeah. Aside from the football team, <clears throat> in the winter season, you know, Penn oh, State yeah, continued continued to you know make waves. And on the same night that the wrestling team was wrestling for a Big Ten title and the hockey team was playing for a Big Ten title, the hockey team was up against uh, Wisconsin. The game, I believe, yeah, the game had gone into overtime um, pretty much at the same time as I I think it was Bo Nickel. I think it was the NCAA's for the wrestling. It was the NCAA's. Team. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, right. So it's a national championship for wrestling, and the Big Ten championship for hockey. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I, I feel like I think it was Bo Nickel that clinched the title for the team, if I remember correctly. Regardless, though, basically at the same time, like the the wrestling team clinched the national title. And Liam Falk scored the breakaway goal against Wisconsin overtime to win the Big Ten title, basically simultaneously. And it was like it it was like whiplash. Like every every tweet was like wrestling, hockey, wrestling, hockey. Like I was I was furiously bouncing back and forth between channels trying to catch them both. My wife and her friend were um, her her friend was over visiting and we were watching both. Um, And they don't they don't neither of them care about wrestling or hockey, especially Penn State (laughs) wrestling and hockey like. But even them, like as we as I was flipping back and forth between these channels, like they were screaming at me, like, go back to wrestling. No, no, go back to hockey. Like it was it was crazy. It was so much fun. And that like that that whole 2016, 2016, 2017 season for Penn State Athletics was just so exciting. And Fantastic yeah, like I said, stuff. like that was our that was our first year as Roar Lions Roar. So just we were, you know, we were 
furious with our engagement with the Penn State community. So just having so much fun on there. That was such a it was a blast. Such a fun night. Um hopefully maybe well not not hopefully but like like twitter is awful but you know twitter is also like like i I think i don't know if i've told this story before on the podcast like twitter is why i started writing about penn state sports personally like when i was in um my junior year at penn state i like occasionally read black shoe diaries like i wasn't like like reading every day or anything but i occasionally read it and um i followed bill on twitter and he posted something one day he was like um quick somebody like i'll follow first first of all bill tweeted i'll follow the first person who can tell me like get off get off your high horse bill but he tweeted like i'll i'll follow the person who can tell me like the best episode of scrubs um and i love scrubs that's your jam yeah yeah, i love scrubs i immediately tweeted back uh, my lunch which for those of you that watch or those you don't know um it's the episode where um they inadvertently um they get they get an organ donor for three patients in the hospital that are waiting for transplants and they find out after they do the transplants that the donor had rabies um, and they lose all three. Hey, it's a very serious episode. Don't laugh. Um, and they lose all three patients, unfortunately. And uh, Dr. Cox, John, John C. McGinley uh, just loses his mind and <clears throat> um, can't handle it. Walks out of the hospital. It's a very, very good episode of television. Um, is it actually where um, it featured uh, how to save a life by the fray? And that was kind of how that song like started getting popular actually. Um, but I tweeted that at Bill. He's like, cool. Followed me. We met up for like a, met up to watch a soccer game at, uh, Chrome. I live right above Chrome. If any of you know that bar, even if it's still there in state college. Um, and then that just led to me writing like little, I went to a lot of Penn state baseball games at that point. So I just wrote like little recaps of Penn state baseball games for Blackshear diaries for him to include. And then from there, you know, they needed a recruiting writer. So I dove into that and that, you know, eventually led me to, Led me to this. So I owe my Penn State, you know, whatever we want to call this career, quote unquote, to Twitter. And obviously, like, Craig, we met through Twitter. Like, we yep. our whole, you know, Slack with all of our Penn State people. We all met through Twitter. Like, it's, it's, if this is the end of it, I will be sad. Like, it's led me to a lot of great people for sure. Definitely. So if it is, Thanks for everything, Twitter, but um, I think it's about time we get out of here today. As a reminder, this was at one point a podcast about the Penn State and Rutgers football game. Craig and I both think that Penn State is going to win handily, should very easily cover that 19-point spread. We're hoping to see a lot of Drew Aller. Um, Any final thoughts back on that football game that, as a reminder, yes, that is happening this weekend? You know, uh, you you just hope we can get out of there injury-free, really, because it's coming down to the end of the season. You don't want to see anybody you know, in a detrimental place to start either bowl practices or the spring um, campaign. So let's get the dub, get out of there injury free and uh, on to senior day in Michigan state, which is, should be an exciting time for the world's best trophy (laughs) soon. It's coming soon. Yeah. We should do, we should do more podcasts like this, Craig, or we just kind of riff on random stuff. This is fun. This is thanks for, thanks for hopping on tonight. This is a good time, man. Um, so that's going to do it for us. If you're not subscribed and following the podcast already, please do so on your podcast platform of choice. Leave us five stars on Spotify or Apple podcasts. If you can also make sure you subscribe on YouTube and check us out there. Hit that alert bell. If you want to see these beautiful six foot nutcrackers that Craig's wife has been building, you make sure you check for yeah, one last time. Show Maybe. us again. Show us again. Uh, oh, man. 
yeah, those things are definitely those things are definitely coming to life. You're you're screwed there. <laughs> um, so be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. Um, but I think that's going to do it for tonight for myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-host Craig Fritz. Thanks for listening. Go state. Go state.